0: Hello, world. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Derek. All right. And Derek, uh, don't forget, check us out, retrotimepodcast.com, slash stickers for those sweet stickers. Mm -hmm. Like, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, don't forget, leave a five-star review, um, and uh, Derek will write you a song. I was going to say, we'll write you a song. I will not be writing any songs. (laughs) It's all Derek. Don't worry. Derek, we got a new five-star review, actually. Uh, Brittany... Summit, our dear friend Brittany wrote us a five-star review, so it looks like you got a song you need to write. It's on its way. All right. And uh, we have got a a really special guest today. I can't wait. Last week, we had uh, Uncle Bob Martin, who was one of the original authors of The Agile Manifesto. And this week, we have got a practitioner of said Agile Manifesto, someone you and I both worked with in the past. Uh, We're really excited. Um, David O'Malley, um, he is a father. He's a husband. An innovation coach. He leads the global corporate units and their digital products through programs centered on lean product, product acceleration, and organizational transformation. He's also the author of the blog, StayLeanGoFast.com. And most recently, he's been the Senior Director of Product Strategy at GE Healthcare. So a real uh, agile practitioner. David O'Malley, welcome to the RetroTime Podcast. It's great to yeah, have it's you. It's great to be
1: here. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Now, I, I guess I, I want to step back a minute and just focus on your your role specifically. Um, in your role, are you focused mostly on um, agile transformation, like agile uh, software methodologies or more like a lean approach, a lean methodology type of transformation? What, what kind of transformation are you mostly
1: well, focused My current start? one, because I've gone through a few... <laughs>
0: Um uh your most interesting I guess I don't know no, it could be your current one yeah
1: I, I you know it's uh, that's a, that's a great question so when I first came in there was a push to the cloud they wanted to they, they had they'd stated goals and objectives around uh, getting to getting out of the data centers and getting into the cloud and I've done that at a previous company so they they wanted not just to do that but they wanted to do it fast and nimbly right mm-hmm. so that was about setting up these smaller um, Agile-type teams around the world that were able to follow a plan, follow a process, and, and essentially you know, you know know accelerate the move to the cloud. The, what came out of that was, well, if, if you're able to do that with Agile here, we've got this other thing we're trying to do about becoming more of a software and digital-based company. Can we apply that? We, we need to apply that here. We need to do this fast and nimble. And, and so, really moved into more of the agile transformation where i think i probably would have met you guys first uh, where we were, we were we were getting the digital hubs to all be those places where digital products were managed and we wanted to make sure that we had again a approaching agile from a similar perspective with the similar guardrails and ground rules and so that was that was really interesting It was probably one of the most interesting times of my life as far as a career is concerned because it brought me all over the world. You guys remember we created the App Studio, the Product Accelerator down there in New Orleans. Um, We're just able to we're able to just you know condense that startup mentality into two weeks, and then take it back to your desk or take it back to your floor and extend it longer. Um, That's what we did there. Um, Now my current role it's product transformation. So how do you go from being a legacy project or initiative based organization, as I like to say? you would build bridges you know you've got to start you've got an end and your goal is to get from one side to the other spending you know on time on budget to being a product organization you're building teslas you know you 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 build a base product and it gets better iteration after iteration month after month you're getting a new product um, every time that you every time an update comes down to it and it doesn't end i mean it ends when the market says it ends but the Tesla's gotten faster since you bought it. It's got a new alarm system since you bought it. I mean, all of these mm-hmm. things are new and you're constantly delighting your customers. So that's what um my role at GE Healthcare is right now, is to bring people in that direction. So that's really
0: interesting. So you mentioned a couple of things that I, I want to just maybe dive into. You mentioned that the 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 company brought you on to make it, make you faster and more nimble or make the make the teams faster. Yeah and more nimble and and i assume using the agile
1: methodologies right is that correct Well, yeah yeah agile agility i would like to say uh-huh. agility i don't like to use methodologies for yeah. okay, core yeah. core agility was that uh, the center of that yeah
0: okay so the reason why i ask we we interviewed bob martin last uh yeah. last episode last week and one of the things that he said and this was really interesting to me because i i've always sort of assumed agile meant Flexible, fast, uh, you know, kind of able to move quickly and, and make yourself, set yourself up so that you can change quickly and iterate. Right. And one of the things that he actually said, the the first word they wanted to use was actually tinkering, the tinkering method. And in that sense, tinkering isn't always fast. You're just kind of playing with it a little bit and you're trying new mm. things and you're playing with it and trying new things. And I'm just wondering, like, uh, what, and maybe you don't have the answer to this, but it's just an interesting uh, thought experiment. How did that concept go from just changing things until we get it right to being faster?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I, I mean, I think the, um, it's a little bit dangerous I mean, it is, I remember having this conversation uh, with someone and I was saying, look, what you're really looking for is, you know, you're looking for the ability to move at the market. That's what you're really mm-hmm. looking for. You're looking to set up a system that allows you to sense what's oh, out yeah. there and respond in time, sense and respond loops, right? Not plan, act, sense, respond.
0: Which is really agile, right? I mean, that to well, me is what, being well, this agile. Is, this is... Is,
1: yeah, this is the term that's, that you know, but this is what we're trying to put in place, I mean, this is what agility is really about. Yeah. It's that sort of athleticism that you have in your teams. Yeah. You're trying to create empowerment. You're trying to create transparency. And right. you all, oh, and by the way, you want that to be rigorously applied.
2: Uh, and that's funny. Oh, sorry. I,
1: I think, you know, and I was, I was mentioning, I remember mentioning this to, to one of the VPs, um, uh, you know, in our digital days. And he looks at me and said, David, look, the promise of agile is that you move fast. If that wasn't the promise. I wouldn't be doing this. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a great point. You can't, lose shit. you can't lose sight of the fact that when you put all of these things into place, it allows you to move fast. Now, I, I think to some degree, it's a little bit of a mirage in so much as, look, if I sat down and I said, you've, you've got to like, move every piece of, on, on the board, you'd be moving pawns and rooks and kings all over the place. But if i said to you your goal is to corner the queen in one side you'd lose use less pieces you'd use less moves but you'd achieve the objective quicker Mm. and faster and now someone might point out and say but all my pawns on the left hand side are doing nothing do i care i've aligned with what you need uh, from an outcome perspective Mm. and i've empowered everybody to focus on just achieving that objective in the most common sense way possible, uh, go do it. And, and it's useless unless you have the mechanism in place that says, here's how I understand what's important, which is product management. And it's useless if you don't have the technology to support that, which is, you know, for example, in the software world is, is that CI/CD, so that I can create, test, release all in the two-week cycle. But from an agile perspective, the, the systems force you to create those mechanisms around it. And it does that through a variety of the the objects that are there. So to some degree, I I would say, you know, moving fast, getting something fast and getting something out fast is more a consequence of creating rigor and discipline and empowered teams uh, that are are very clear on, on what they're doing and doing that rigorously rather than the end goal, which is, Let's do agile, um, and I think that that's an anti-pattern. That's that's difficult. If someone ever comes mm. down and says, "Hey, everybody, we're going to do agile, and uh, and it's you know, insert framework here," um, you might want to step back and go, "What? How do you think this is going to work out?
2: What do yeah.
1: you think is going to be different here?" Because I think we need to talk.
2: I just had a couple thoughts on this, so. Um, when you, when you reminded me, Jeremy, what, what uncle Bob said about tinkering it made me think about something, what we're really doing is trying our best to build things so we can move forward without fear. We want mm-hmm. to be able to continuously move without fear of retribution. The app's going to go down. The customers are going to yell at us. And when, when I was thinking about it more, it reminded me of, uh, how I learned some of the things that I've learned in my life. Not, not even software related. So I've, I've learned to play the guitar as a kid. And you can't get good at something without with yeah. by going incredibly fast one way and fast being your only goal. Tinkering and practicing with a purpose got, it got me to be able to improve. You know, like actually having a purpose mm-hmm. while you tinker, moving forward, guiding, changing the direction, moving forward, changing the direction. Um, anything that's worth doing Uh, you know, that's a great approach because you don't have that fear of, of any kind of um, anything that's going to happen to you if you do move uh, in the direction that makes sense.
1: Similar to transformation in some way. I mean, I, I I often talk about transformation as a type of change, for example, but there's other types of change and and they often get mixed up a little bit. Um, So, so transformation is really about mindset change. It's really about seeing everything in a completely different way and you, you don't you know someone might say well what's your plan for transformation and i'm like well if we're really transforming things everyone's going to have a different journey it's okay to map the journey but it's not okay to say derek's and his team are going to take this amount of time and you know jeremy yeah. and his team are going to take this amount of time um you know you you need to i would need to spend more resources on the team that you know is maybe needs more work on it but you measure the progress so relatively speaking how far down the road are you and you know what we the type of change that we normally go for is transitional change we mix these things up transitional change is skill building is learning the skills so you know i i had four erps now i'm going to have one and I'm going to have one different order entry system. Well, I can probably plan out the migration process from the four to one, and then I can plan out the training process, and then I can, you know, I can see whether the skills are being applied. That's, that's more hands-on than anything else. And so, I, again, I, I think you got to get back to the, the root of what you're trying to achieve. And are you using the right words to, to describe what you're trying to achieve? Like, we want to go fast. Well, there's tons of ways to go fast. Yeah. triple your resources, quadruple your yeah. resources, you know? but you can go That's fast right into a, a tree. That. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Throw, <laughs> you know the way people always say, um, well, I know the answer isn't to throw money at the problem. I'm like, well, how do you know? Have you tried it?
0: <laughs>
1: Let's see. Let's, Let's see. see. I'm, I'm sure. I can money at, I would just love to see what happens if someone throws money at the problem someday <laughs> because it might work. But I think usually when people say that, what they're, they're trying to say is, look, we got to do you know, we've got to achieve more, but we're not going to throw more money out. And, and mm-hmm. this is then, then we're like, well, all right, if you're not going to give us more resources and you're going to expect us to do more, can we take something off the plate or will right. you change or will you change something else? And, and that's where it gets hard. That's where it gets really, really hard. You know, how mm-hmm. do you know an agile transformation is working when leadership char- starts to change what they do and how they interact really with teams? Yeah. So that they're making the teams that they're completely changing and empowering the teams to get done, things done. Um that's yeah. that's the that's that you know, that's that's like you know, that's paged. oh, wait, that's on page so chapter two. I didn't read that part yet. They just read chapter one about moving fast. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> wait, I, just, I, I just stopped right at that. I, I just, just stopped right there. It.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I read the get abstract version of it. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, you know, that's the thing that I've always uh, kind of observed at, at the larger companies that, that try to do Agile is the Agile is the, the end result is is just really the speed. That's what they're looking for is speed. And I think like you, you just said this a few minutes ago, mm. I think it's worth reiterating is speed is, the, is the, the, the obvious outcome of doing these other things correctly. It's mm. not speed wasn't the goal, right? Speed was the result. Um, and in order to get fast, you've got to set your teams up so that they can be flexible and change, yeah. right? And and changing fast is really what the goal should be, I think, at the end of the day, right? To, yeah. to you said a, a little bit ago too, is um, you want to change with the market, but you want to change with the market fast. You want to do that exactly. fast. It's not, right, it's, it's not fun. There's always going to
1: be a, a lag between you and the market. How do you make that lag small? Or how do you mm-hmm. potentially just get kind of ahead of it and kind of mm. surf that wave a little bit ahead of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that.
2: One of the things that when we were in our, pre, our pre-show, our pre that's how professional we are, we had a pre-show, in our pre-show, <laughs> um, we were talking to you about a little bit of your history, kind of going from smaller companies to larger companies. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that journey and that transition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, my very first job was working for New York Life Insurance Company. Uh, you know, down in New York, you know, very, you know, they, they like to say they were knee deep in carpet, you know. Now at the time, of course, it was, it was a big organization, but I think the IT organization had a thousand people in it, you know, which was pretty large organization to be fair. So an awful lot of, of what I got indoctrined into in the beginning was, was this, this idea of very big. Um, but as I progressed, I went to you know, a much smaller company after that. And then I went to a relatively large sized company, you know, software company and a small one, large one. Um I think before GE, I think that the biggest difference, I think, between the two of them was when I worked for a small company, a uh, health and wellness company, which no longer exists. It's, uh, it was was purchased. So, um, which was, you know, a couple of thousand people maybe to then going to GE, which was at the time, 300,000 people. Oh, wow! Um, it was literally, everything was a thousand times larger from that small company to that large company. And it's, you know, you're not just on board to do your job um, and GE obviously is very exacting and demanding place, but you also then have to deal with just jumping up into the scale and, and, and trying to absorb everything. And there's there's just huge differences between working at a small company, as I'm sure you would imagine, and then working at a much larger company um, that you got to get used to, as well as just doing the job that you were hired to do. Sure.
0: Oh God! Yeah, I can imagine thousand times the the politics and and all that stuff is just that much. It's uh,
1: not the politics doesn't exist in yeah. a small company, by the way. You know, right? Well, that's yeah, true. It's yeah. different. Yeah, There's more yeah. more people to deal with. <laughs> like right. I mean, right. I think it's you know, if you ever saw Gladiator, I remember he said uh, he said the difference between a soldier and a politician, I get to see the person who stabs me. Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh God! Yeah. There you go, man. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's it's that close knit. Um, Smaller group, you know. Jeremy's talked to it about a, n- a number of times. He said things just get done faster. You have fewer lines of communication. You have fewer um, dependent teams and things like that. Uh, for large projects, you can actually do them a lot faster. Where does the benefit come in then? I'm always, i always curious about this. Where yeah. does the benefit come in of having a larger organization if smaller organizations can get things done faster?
1: Look, smaller, smaller companies would kill for the resources that large companies have. They really would, right? Um, and one of the one of the difficult things that I found when when I did move to GE was I was doing work and someone told me he said, "You know, we've got someone who does that, right? Why mm-hmm. don't you just call this person? They'd be <laughs> glad to do it for us. Their job." And it was mm-hmm. so it was there was a bit of a learning curve there for me myself in in learning that resources were available. But you know, if you when you start to see, I want to run a training program, and you know, you're you're dropping, you know uh you know five sometimes maybe six figures on, on on an initiative that that's that's going to achieve something um when you know you have the gods of data by the way that the other companies have to go out there and and acquire i i do remember having you know capital exp, you know expense uh, type um, conversations that i was having with the ceo and you know, you come in here and you just say, you know, I, I absolutely positively need this thing for $20,000 or I can't exist. And they're like, oh, yes, yeah, we absolutely hear you. And you'd be looking at get 10. You know, I mean, so from a resource perspective, I, I think, and there's there's an awful lot more than a large company can give you. I mean, I think even from an HR benefits uh, perspective, sure,
0: yeah. you have
1: a lot more people thinking about employee development. It's not that small companies don't want to do it, it's just that the the scale and resources that you have at a large company are there, as much as we all like to complain about, oh, things aren't the way they used to be, or, you (laughs) know, my benefits weren't as good as et cetera. Well, you know, it's the same everywhere, it's just relatively speaking is, you're going to have less people concerned or worried and thinking about that at a small company. So I think there's there are there are differences I like to see. You, you, you kind of just got to pick a poison, but at the end of the day, it's poison. Um, when you're a small company, you can feel like you are closer to the metal, so to speak, that you can make a difference and that you can see I made this decision and here's the outcome. There we go. Um, it, it, things take a lot longer to play out in, in a large company. Normally, sometimes they don't, right. but normally things take uh, quite a bit longer to, to play out. Um, I like to think that since joining a company as large as GE, and you know, the reason why I was hired was to take some of that small uh, company mentality and agility and bring it to the large company, which again, in some instances we've been successful at, but you're in a large company. You can't succeed everywhere. You have to pick your battles.
0: So that's interesting. That, that, that part that you you mentioned about uh, being hired specifically to take that small company mindset or small company approach. Um, I, I've worked at startups in the past, and my first uh, job as a doing software was at a startup. And the uh, the the speed at which we could go from. You know, discovery to execution mm. was just mind-boggling fast. You know, I, there were so few lines of communication that it was just made it a lot easier. And I, I, I guess my my question is: those small companies, as they grow and they add those those lines of communication, what what do you do to to keep from slowing down as you grow? You know, if you are if you started small, you're a startup, for instance, and as you grow, you add a hundred or a thousand people are there some techniques to keep to keep that from slowing down
1: yeah i mean look i mean i think you have to rec- recognize a couple of things first of all why are the large companies why is it harder for them to to do all of that and you know move fast nimble agile stuff right and and I, you have to remember a lot of these companies are public all right mm, so sure. there are financial ramifications and legal ramifications associated with what you do with your money some of them are regulated, like I work at GE Healthcare. Mm. So you you like to say, I want to go really fast on this, but you, you know, you can't go really fast because you might be um, a regulated or protected system, for example. So, uh, but I, I think as a large, the, so the, the difficulty in a small company growing large is, you know, you can get a couple of senior leaders together and their culture or their understanding of things is, is there. And, you know, you can talk in shorthand. I mean, I often talk, remember when I was a small company, myself and, and my CIO, we could literally have conversations without saying three words in a row. Mm-hmm. And at one stage, it was observed by somebody else. And, you know, we were <laughs> like, you know, you wouldn't do that? Remember, we did the thing. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, uh, yeah. yeah right. And, you know, you kind of like, and, and the next thing, you know, uh, we've, we've got the dashboard. We've got the presentation. We know exactly what we're going to say on the next sales meeting. And off we go. And, and somebody was going, what just happened?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, don't
1: worry about. It. Well, you do now, like you've actually, been married for 20 now years you've got to, yeah exactly we've been working together about six or seven years at that stage so mm. um so now you gotta worry now yeah. you do have to worry because not everybody's going to have that mental telepathy so the things that you often took for granted uh you're going to have little things structure like what mm. are we communicating who are we communicating it to um what are the you know, you know when do we meet this is when we come in. This is when we don't. Um, so a lot of those those little things start to get bigger as you get a larger organization. And you, you look, you put an SOP, you put a process in place, uh, or you don't. And, and an awful lot of times, it, that's when it gets that's when it gets kind of difficult. You know, um, you'll you'll often see the founder mentality is still the person who wants to do the exciting stuff beyond the front somebody's got to come in and operate the growth somebody's got to operate day to day and make sure that, that the things are getting done and the right communication and message is getting to the right place so that growth decisions can be made mm. and so that you're making sure that as you grow you're not forgetting you know your current base of customers and you're treating those again you know you might have one large customer or two large customers which is which is great. You know, you, you'll you get your first two, usually through networking, it's easy. Three and four is hard. How do you make sure that you have uh, the right, uh, you might have a, a sales desk or a service desk or, or, or help desk. Uh, do you make sure that you're having the same consistent results all the way through that? You know, press five if you are happy with your operator type thing. You know, so that's difficult. And you, you've, you've got to spend time and effort to putting that discipline into place. Interesting.
2: So I had a question. This is a very blunt question. And I'm, yeah. I've always been curious about what an agile transformer thinks of this question, because it's been it's been burning in my brain for so long, and I'm ready. So hot. And I'm so happy you're here, Dave. Um, so how important is it that the finances of the business adapt to the agile mentality, <laughs> to rapid yeah, change? Ma-
1: massively. I mean, it's imperative, really, at the end of the day
2: how do big companies do that? They're so, they're so mired in their quarterly releases and and their, their yearly whatevers and their, their plans and their long-terms and there's, you know, how how did, how does that even, is that like the, is that the golden, the golden goose of like, if we figure this out, then we figured it out.
1: Yeah. 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 Maybe it is, you know, um, there's a, so there's a couple of ways that you can do it. I mean, there are a number of ways that you can do it. I I mean, I, I I think that, so if you're trying to be an agile organization just within the confines of one team or one organization, or just IT or DT, whatever it is, you're going to find it very, very difficult because everybody on the outside is not dealing with that. They'll come in in January and say, what are you going to deliver to me in December?
2: Yeah. And you're
1: mm-hmm. going to try and be an agile organization. And you're going to try and get back to them at the end of January and sort of say, this isn't working. Or here, what do you think of this? And did this achieve what you were trying to achieve? Um, or we've discovered something based on data. We've analyzed the data and we've made a discovery and we feel you should do X, Y, and Z, right? That's an empowered team. And so if you don't have that, you're going to find it very difficult working with your customers and your stakeholders who don't understand what it is. Now, same with financing. If you don't have the mechanisms in place that allow you to constantly revisit what it is you need or how you need it, because some companies are like, like, you know, here's a million dollars. But I've broken that down into half a million dollars for dev time, half a million for operations, half a million for capital, or sorry, and those numbers aren't working. out, hundred thousand for this, hundred thousand for training, and you know you might, or and you know fifty thousand for travel, and you might be sort of you know you might get to October and your travel budget's gone, and you're like, but I'm under on this, and I really need to go see that client in Texas to try this thing out, and they'll say, well, your, your budget's gone. Oh, you know we've experienced that at GE quite a bit. But you don't have travel budget like i mean that's not that's not really working very well is it um <coughs> you know you've given me a million dollars i need to be able to spend that but but again in a in a public company you need some rigor and control around that so the question is how do you loosen that a little bit right how can you uh how can you make it easier uh, to do that and one of the ways and i think we experience this in, in in digital is tranche funding um, or as i like to call it agile economics so you, you know, oh, yeah. you've set aside. This is the money that we want, and we, you know, we, we want to invest it in these key initiatives, right? Um, and we know that this is our fixed cost. So, you know, we're not going to just hire consultants or hire and fire, you know, full-time developers based on monthly wins. So, we know these are our fixed costs, and these, this is what's we can move around the table. Right? These are the peas on the plate. And so, you know, in those kind of instances, then you can. You can say, well, we just don't think that this is working. We want to divert resources from one side to the other. right?" Um, so it, I gave a presentation on agile economics, and that's really starting out with an analysis know, run, run a, a lean workout on making sure that you're building the right thing and, and, and testing it out just with a, a couple of key stakeholders from the beginning, making sure that everyone's aligned to it run a design sprint so that people can actually see it, hold it, feel it, and give you feedback? Are they saying, this is great? Are they saying, this is terrible? Usually you're gonna get something that's not black and white. It's kind of in the middle, leaning one side or the other. How do you take that feedback and say, all right, well now let's just run a product accelerator like we had in the app studio. Let's just go to spend two weeks at this thing. You know, you're a month to six weeks in, you, you haven't burned through all of your your budget, and now you have an opportunity to say, well, we did that four or five or six times with you know different products, different ideas. Now let's invest in the one we think is going to work out, mm. um, or you know let's it, this is the one that can really help us achieve what we're trying to achieve from an organizational perspective. You can do that, by the way, in a small company and a large company. You just need to make sure that you've got the, the organizational structure of a large company uh, to to allow you to do that, right? and that. That That takes some change, I mean it takes some internal change,
0: so this is actually something I, I wanted to get your thoughts on. We last uh two three episodes ago, I can't remember what it was. Derek and I did a uh, just a one off one on one episode with him and I talking about agile and some some things that I've kind of run up against in the past. And when we released it, we've got we got a lot of feedback actually from people who work at bigger companies talking about how oh this isn't really possible or you know there maybe we didn't take different things into account and it's not that simple and I'll set it up briefly for you and I'd love to get your thoughts basically you know the idea is that at, at a larger company where processes are in place and kind of the point Derek talked about a minute ago with budgets are set you know a year in advance and you have to. You have to uh, get money based on some specific thing you want to do, and you know um, you have to do those things that you said you would complete because we gave you money for it, and yeah. and all these things. And but there's there's often these little things, one-off things that come come through, where you just want to try something, you have an experiment, and you want to test something out, and it becomes very difficult to do those types of one-off experiments when the process is in place to handle just larger larger feature sets or things that take years to build. And I just, I'm curious, what are your thoughts there? How, how does one get around that? Or how do how do teams set themselves up so that they are able to do those quick experiments and also those big, large things that might take a year to build?
1: Well, this is, this is, this is a question that's, that's phrased in the context of a larger transformation. So if, you know, in the world we live in, it's, um, I give you requirements, you give me commitments. And there's a dollar price for that. Well, the challenge of, of, of living in, in the world you're looking for, the challenge of the transformation is there's no more requirements. What would it look like? And, and this is a challenge I had for some people. What would, what would it look like if you had no requirements? And there was a long silence and somebody eventually said, how would we know what to build? I mean, well, that's a great question. How would you know what to build? Right. And for a little while, somebody said, I suppose we'd have to go out and find out. <laughs> talk, to to build, talk to users,
0: talk to customers and see, see what, might, what that
1: look like. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, we wouldn't be able to commit to anything if they haven't. I said, right. Okay. So right now you've, you've gotten rid. If I get rid of, you know, the requirements, you can't give a commitment, right? Now mm-hmm. there's two things on there. What are you going to replace it with? And the promise is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to you. I'm gonna understand you. I'm gonna discover what it is about you. And my promise is, I'm gonna bring you things you never thought of before, right? Quick hits, small things, etc. Right? Okay, that's great. But on the other side, you have the person who used to give the requirements and used to get the commitments back, and they had the money. What do right. you say to them? right and that's yeah. that's the transformation though that the, the transformation yeah. is making sure that they're included in the story and that this they see the tangibles on this and yeah. but i would say this in all the time that i've been doing this i've never actually seen a stakeholder or a customer go through this process and say that was crap right no nah, i'm not doing yeah, that again it
0: seems like yeah
1: yeah <laughs> i've never actually seen <clears throat> you know yeah. normally they were going this is great. So wait a minute. You mean I don't have to write requirements for you anymore? Because I do strongly believe that the people who went uh, to school to learn materials management and sales and HR and stuff like that, nowhere along the lines that they learn how to write user stories or, or give sure, you know yeah. technical you know detailed <laughs> IT type uh, specifications and requirements and stuff like that. Right. It's it's not in their job spec. They would much prefer. If they were focusing on doing what they're supposed to do and they're graded on, and if if the folks who were delivering digital tech or even not digital tech, anything, anything. were the ones right. who came in and, and observed and, and came up with the ideas and said, here you go. Because that's how it works yeah. in the world. You know, I don't go to Uber you know, and tell them what to give me.
0: Yep. You know, that's interesting (laughs) because that's sort of one of the things that that I I find happens quite a bit is the way we've structured our teams. You know, I guess this is Moore's law. The way we've structured our team, our process really follows the way we've structured our team. So we've got functional product owners who tell our our technical product owners what to build. Then the technical product owners tells the UX designer what to design. And then those designs influence what the engineers build. Um, And it's very hard to... uh, to bypass those technical and functional product owners and go directly to a user and ask them yeah. what they would like to see, right? And and most recently in my role, I've been I've had the opportunity to sit on a lot of voice of customers sessions, and the things that we're hearing back quite a bit are, you know, what about that thing I talked to you about six months ago? Or why are you asking me this again? We've already talked about this, yeah. you know, and um, I, I feel like a lot of times it's, it's one of those things where if, if we let the software people just do the work that they have been trained to do um, and let them follow the process that, you know, has been established to, to have worked very well in other companies, yeah. we would probably be a lot more successful and the customers would be a lot happier because we would discover their pain points right, and improve their life, their work right? Their work life um, without having them to tell us, I would like you to build a form that has these fields and, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And I think that's so true. But
1: it's that's it. actually Conway's law. Uh, Conway's law. Oh, is it Conway's
0: then, law? What is yeah. Moore's law? Uh, uh, Moore's yeah. law <laughs> is the yeah. point where
1: everything doubles and
0: keeps faster. Conway's law. Conway's law.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, respect, yeah, old Conway. So go on, yeah. Um, because we're deathly afraid. I would say, I would say this, you know, if you're, if you're going to put, if you are going to put this, the tools um you know at a at a dev team level because you gotta remember we didn't set you know you know when, when you bring a requirement to a dev team you're not you hired them as smart people right, to okay. to solve problems right mm-hmm. so now they're what panel beaters or carpenters of some sort of your requirement i mean it's a classic waste of money you know for me i i think it i, I think that the key underpinning of the problem there is trust Mm. You know, uh, somebody really feels that in order for them to get the gold star at the end of the year, they've got to deliver on something because they either they were told to do it or they feel they need to do it. Right? Probably mm. because they were told to do it, and mm. and they're they only trust themselves. They don't trust this group of of uh, of you know technology folks mm. to give it to yeah. them. Now, now that's really really hard to break. That cycle's really trust really cycle, hard to break. Yeah. But I would argue that you know, if you have the opportunity, if you somehow find the opportunity to start prototyping things early and often, that you start to see you, you will gain that trust, you start to see some momentum and materialization of things. Um, and and it, again, as you said, like some you, know, I, I would always say, well, look, it works for Google. Right, it works for Amazon. It works for Microsoft. Works for all these companies, and and they'll say, well, we're not, we're not Google." I'm like, "I know you're not. Do you want to be?
0: <laughs> do you want to be like, okay, or,
1: or no. not? I mean, it's a choice. Yeah. By the way, it is a choice. We could all just stay that's here and do things the way that never worked before." You know,
2: that's one thing I've heard more than anything is that you know their business case, their use case is very different than ours. I think a lot of times, and I've heard this about products that we've built in in the company that I currently work in, where Um, you know, they see themselves as a snowflake product. Every product sees itself as a snowflake product. What sees itself as a snowflake organization? Our situation is very different than everyone else's because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, it's like you have constraints that are slightly different. But is the product really that different? Are we really doing like you're? So you're taking stuff off the internet and put it into the database, aren't you? Right. And you know, it's like. Um, off a webpage or whatever, off a form, you know, like this is something that we've done. Um, when, when we were talking earlier about how uh, it's tough to get out of that realm of I go to the product people, they give me the requirements, that whole bit. Um, I asked a question to my team recently. is like, have you ever met a baker who hasn't tasted his own bread? Mm, that's a good one. And every, because when I asked, have the developers seen anyone uses the system. Has any developer seen someone actually using the system yeah. we built? A real user? Yeah. The answer was, well, we have ambassadors who will will demonstrate how the system works. No, no, no. People actually using the system. Yeah. And there were there's a lot, there's a lot of defense behind it because it's almost as if like it's almost as if like you don't like seeing someone use the application is like seeing someone with their clothes off. Like that's not yeah, the way right. it works. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like it's just, uh, just so it's kind of an interesting. But it, uh, take but, on. All,
1: but it works both ways. It's kind of like, no, we can't let the developers see. We can't, don't let the developers in the room. Like, Ooh, like, no um, way. like they've got you know fangs and yeah. and they and they haven't been fed for weeks. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Maybe no, we haven't we bathed for weeks. But... Well, why can't
2: you? Trust me, we eat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you know the the
0: other thing too. I, I guess this goes back to, to what we were talking about before. The way we set up our our, our teams a lot of big companies that all of those things that I mentioned, the functional, the, the, the technical, the engineering, and even sometimes UX they are all separate organizations. A lot of times within the larger corporation with different reporting structures and different budgets and, and different, um, you know, priorities potentially. And so it, it ends up becoming an us versus them system. You know, we have this team and we have our own name and you have, you know, your team and your own name and we're on separate teams and, you know, um, it doesn't help that whole uh, flattening of the the org structure the, to create the, those kinds of, you know, I, what's the right word for it? A cross-functional team, I guess, where everybody yeah. is kind of on the same team and does those things together to solve the problem together. You no,
1: know, uh, I, yeah, I mean, we kind of started this out when we started talking about the difference between large and small companies. And look, I mean, I mean, it's, I, I can yeah. even tell yeah. you myself, I mean, there's, 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 you know, large parts of GE Healthcare that, I had no idea existed, you know? And so it's not easy. It's not easy to do that. You know, again, we have a lot of mechanisms and we have some very good mechanisms, by the way, that that help us expose to a lot of things and what the companies are doing. And I think it's just I think it's just a matter of human nature. We wanna come in, we wanna be successful in our jobs. We wanna do what we're trying to do and we wanna achieve. And unless you actually have the, the systems and the mechanisms in place to actually, allow you to share um, across an organization, but even more than that, not just share, but allow you to actually collaborate with somebody who isn't from your organization, then it's it's going to be extremely difficult to do that. In the early days of the app studio, we, you know, we, we just, we said, look, we have this thing we want to do. You know, we were in industrial IoT at the time. We want to test this. We want to do something. Can you, can you join us? And we had people put their hand up, say, "Yeah, we'll we'll come down and we'll do something like that." And we even had these large uh, areas where we were doing dynamic teaming, and we would just say, "Who wants to work on this?" I mean, and and then you know people would go and they work on something and they raise their hand and they go, "We're we're done. I'm done here. I'm I have no more usefulness." And then you kind of go back to the middle and they team in and just that process, the learning experience that people had learning about how one company was trying to solve a problem, which maybe wasn't the same, but from an analogy perspective is incredibly similar. Mm. Uh, You were able to apply that in someplace else. So the amount of sharing that went on was, was phenomenal and people took that away. And so, but you've actually got to work very, very hard, not just in a large company, but as you grow, to make sure that you have those mechanisms there. Like Google's 10% time. I heard from somebody in the know that, they know they've done away with it since. I'm not sure what they have uh, in place, but that was a mechanism that they put in place as they grew to keep people mixing and mingling and and getting to know each other. So it wasn't just a, you know, I'm sure a lot of good things came out of it, but it actually had a, a very good reason for being there. Um, I don't think Atlassian does it anymore, but they used to have something similar. I think it was every month or every two weeks, you'd get up and you'd present something that you'd work cross-functionally with some teams. Now, again, you know, somebody in a large company at some point in time in a public company is going to have to say, right, well, 10% equals, you know, 10% 10% of 100 million dollars is 10 million. Therefore, this thing is costing me 10 million. And I guarantee you there's a bean counter somewhere who says yeah. that's <laughs> what four cents that? of earnings. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. And that's where it becomes difficult, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's
0: a, that's the interesting thing. And I guess that's where it all comes back to this idea of budget. Uh, we're, we're trying something new at work right now where we are doing these things called bubble assignments where yeah. someone can take a take up a role for a month that's not anything like their current role and that becomes their job, and they can try out a new thing. Not, not to um, a really neat idea. It's not. It's yeah. It's not meant to be a way to change career paths or anything like that. But it's just a way to build empathy, I think, f- across across the team. So you know, if you have a, a software engineer, for instance, and they get on the UX team for a month, it, it, they're not going to change and become UXers or anything. But the idea would be to understand how the UX process works and yeah. understand why they ask the questions they ask and why they do the things they do, and then they take that back to their team and their engineering team and they're able to build empathy across those, those shared uh, teams.
1: I will tell you, like, I mean, it's, it's the same, you know, in, Mm. in healthcare here, we have some great examples of, of sharing funds and sharing resources, you know I mean? So we're not taking it from a, you know, line item down to the pencil perspective. Um, So there is an awful lot that's being done there. And I can tell you even uh, when I was working with one of the teams here, you know, when you talk about building it building it big versus building it small, you know, mm-hmm. they were very, very, they were very receptive, very, very disciplined around coming in, defining the problem first, you know, creating an experiment. They created an experiment that they were able to do at about two or three different sites within um, our business. And based on limited information, they nailed everything that they thought they would do. So they set up their test ran their experiment they looked at it it worked out exactly the way they thought and they were able to use those details to say we think with more funding we could get this and drive that and we just start out at the small part first and so you know again it's it's a structured way of doing things and it's regimented but the nice side effect is it gets you the results that you really want from an outcome perspective, not from an output perspective. From an outcome perspective, um, mm. and it gets them faster. Yeah. And if we can, if we can just follow the process that way, again, like you said, that a lot of other large companies are doing, I think we'll be happier. I, I think we'll be we'll be a little bit surprised, but we'll we'll be happier.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think it goes back too to that idea of building trust that you mentioned before. <laughs> Right. Trying out small things, proving that it works and then showing that value so that people trust that it works and they would then take it further.
2: Yeah. So all great stuff, man. This has been just the best conversation in the whole world. David, thank you so much <laughs> for coming do it on. With next time, um, guys. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah oh no, that's yeah, right. definitely <laughs> gotta do it after hours, um, way after hours. is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, after, um, after, after, hours. After, after the my k- kids kitties sleep. have gone to bed. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I wanted to kind of make sure that we touched on this. Uh, you had some advice for some folks that were maybe joining a large organization that yeah. could be potentially helpful. I wanted to run through that, and then we have a special event. Well, special. That's right. We do it every time, but it's special. <laughs>
1: okay. It's special. Every time, it's special yeah I, I mean so I've talked about this in the past. Um, so again, it's sitting in the situation I, I was a small company of maybe um, about a thousand people. and then all of a sudden I joined G Corporate actually at the time in Fairfield, Connecticut. and it's 300,000 people and it's in the midst of doing everything and you know the, the company back then had a lot more businesses than it actually has now. And so I was hard that was really, really hard on me. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, where not for some really good people close to me. were are still here. Intervening I probably would have left I probably, I mean, I probably would have just bolted for another small company that would have been delighted to have me, you know, and, and I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't go. Uh, you know, I think if there's one thing I'd say is GE for anybody thinking of joining a large company or joining GE, it's easily been the largest, um, sort of expansion of professional growth that i've had over the last six years but it is hard it is hard when you come in you know to an organization like this so i think uh you know the the main points that i really talked about is don't drink from the fire hose there is so much that's going on you're an anonymous person you come in and the fire hose is going to be flowing at you there's going to be so much information about not just what's happening in your local organization, but what's what's happening everywhere. And GE is a company, of course, where in large companies where people move an awful lot, and there's a mm-hmm. lot to process in there. At some point in time, you, you can't stop the fire hose, but you just got to turn your head to it. And you can get soaked, but just don't drink from it. Um, the next thing I'd say is you've got to network broad and deep. And this is difficult, because when you're in a small company, when I was in a small company, I could call the CEO and go for a game of golf, and he'd invite me to, to a baseball game. Um, you're just not going to get that. But people are very, very receptive to, um, to actually networking with you. So it's, it's networking at your level. It's, it's asking for a few more introductions. It's, it's kind of doing that little lunch. Um, so you, you've got to network outside of your organization. And then once you find those anchors, you've got to get down deeper into them to understand. And again, with no motivation, just you just want to network, understand people, what they're doing, where do they come from, how do they see things, what are their challenges. Uh, which I think, you know, comes into the next one, which is, you've got to define your own story, you've got to build your own brand um, and your own success, right? It is very, very easy to kind of be, well, they're in Bob's group, and Bob's group is this, you know, and it's within this brand. At the end of the day, you can be defined by someone else's brand, or you can create your own. So, so take that very, very seriously. Um, and portray it, live it every day. When you're doing that networking, live it every day with others. Because, like I said, otherwise you start in as anonymous, and you have to be eventually known for something. And then I think the last one is you've you've just got to focus and execute. You know, you were brought in to focus and execute. It's the same absolutely everywhere else. A lot of these other things will will uh, maybe distract you from doing that. But when push comes to shove, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you really should just remember that, you know you're going to be judged one way or the other on you know were you able to execute on that thing that we need to get done as a team or as a group or as an organization so those are the four things that i would in a nutshell say uh, are very very important for, for people who are joining large organizations from small organizations and, and the culture change that and shock that they'll probably go through in uh, in the first couple of months now like i said it's hard to go from the size i went to to GE and where things were five six years ago at the time, um, but it, I think it's I think it's still valid for anyone at any
0: level. That's great advice. I love it. I love that one about though making your own way. I guess uh, the la- kind of last one um, that was some advice that I got when I first started. Um, you know, you can kind of make it's so it's so big and there's so much money that you can kind of make your own path. And if that if that role doesn't exist, make it exist. Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of people coming to big companies, they just sort of assume it's a bureaucratic, you know, yeah. mess and, and you're very structured and, and whatever yeah. it is to a certain extent. But uh, I think there's that ability for people that I've already I've called it recently intrapreneur, intrapreneur someone who, yeah. who works inside of, you know, kind yeah. of an entrepreneur, but inside of a
1: big company and doing their own thing and. I love that. If you've got a good idea, it, it is the kind of place that if you have a good idea, again, this is slow, but if you have a good brand and a good idea, and if you see an opportunity and you're networking that amongst groups, somebody, there's a good chance somebody will look at that and say, I'll be cool. I could do that. Yeah. So what would it take? And then again, if you come up with one idea, you're going to be disappointed. But you'll find that if you're constantly networking, you're constantly thinking of ideas like, Here's where a process can do this. Here's where tech can do this. Here's what, you know, something along those lines. Someone will say, oh, that's a good idea. I think I'll take a flyer on this. Yeah, let's try it. Yeah. I love that. Right yeah.
0: All right. Brilliant. Um, all right. So we call this session uh, This or That. And the idea is for our guests to just get to know you a little bit better. We're going to ask you a bunch of questions, this or that. And and you just tell us what which one you like better. <laughs> Very simple. Uh, are you ready? You. All right. All uh, right. Let's see. Let's start at the beginning, all the way at the top. Dog or cat?
2: Wow, this one hasn't this one hasn't really puzzled <laughs> anybody yet. This is this is interesting. Buckle up, think, guys. It's a tough uh, one.
1: I'm a dog person. We had dogs growing up. We bred dogs going up. I resuscitated a puppy once. We talk about that. Oh the wow! Time. Oh no kidding. But we got that's cats amazing. now. We got cats now. I think I'm converted cat dad. I'm a cat. You're, dad. You're a cat. I'm dad. A cat. Dad. All right. Respect.
0: Yeah. All right. All uh, right. Netflix or YouTube. 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 All <laughs> yeah, right. right. Phone call or text? text. Message. Text message. All right. Text. Ice cream cone or a cup. Cone. All right. iPhone or Android. iPhone. All right. Um, then I would probably know the next one. Mac or PC.
1: Uh, Mac. I've used a Mac for right. some time now.
0: Yeah. This this is a new new addition to the list, uh, but I like it. Buttons or zippers.
1: Zipper zippers I'm yeah sure. I think, I much think, much think a, zippers. you'll get yeah. alright uh, gin or whiskey uh whiskey alright Irish, Irish whiskey, Irish whiskey. <laughs> there we go the Irish whiskey, Irish whiskey. Irish whiskey. Yeah. not or, scotch uh, I don't drink that second rate stuff I only drink the best <laughs> there
0: you go alright uh form or function uh form form alright uh high I'm not tech sure what that means but yeah form <laughs> <laughs> uh it's alright um high tech or low tech
1: um, uh, I'll swing the pendulum on this. I think I'm swinging towards high tech. I was low tech for a while. I think I'm swinging yeah. back towards the high. Yeah.
0: We get a lot of, a lot of people that, the uh, software industry that are saying low tech recently. It's right really yeah,
1: I know. I, it, <coughs> the pendulum is swinging back that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. American football or real football?
1: Um, American football. Oh, rugby. Right. If I have to choose anything, I'll choose oh, rugby. rugby. Oh, okay. If I put rugby on there, it's it's rugby. <laughs> the but wild. If I have to guy. choose between the two lesser sports, I choose at least the lesser.
0: Go rugby is wild, man. I, I um I have no idea what's going on when I watch it, but it's still entertaining. To if watch. you want to know
1: what like the <laughs> Hundred Years' War was like, you know, back in rugby. whatever when they were like, the 12th century, whenever they're fighting, just yeah. look at a rugby game and just say that's it. Those were the guys who were fighting it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And what is going on here? I don't know why they're fighting,
1: but it's interesting. great game. It's, 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 it's actually you'd love it if you learn the rules. I think New Orleans actually has a team. Uh, they got mm-hmm. a um, oh yeah, okay. I think mm-hmm. I think they've got a, a, a part uh, of the major league rugby team that's set up up there. It's a great game if, if you if you get to know it and you 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 get to understand what the rules. It's very very technical. But I think if you if you muster American football, I think you'd be fine with rugby actually. But it's it's yeah. got all of the hard hitting. It's got all of the pace. Um, and it's it's a very tough, grueling game. Boy, yeah, it, it never doesn't stops. stops. Doesn't stop. It
0: doesn't yeah. stop. Yeah, I, I had a friend who played Aussie Rules football, which yeah. is not anything like American football. It actually no. seemed way more like rugby. But he got offended when I, I said it was rugby. He said, "No, it's yeah, not. No, rugby. It's, it's, it's Aussie not. Rules football." How dare you! All right, so we can tell because we can see your screen and I can see your shirt, but uh, yeah. our view, our listeners at home, can't tell Star Trek or Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. All right, Star Wars. On, and rookie, no Star
1: Wars.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Uh, first three or last three? Not the middle three, but the first three or the most last recent three. three. Not uh, the original three. If you had to pick the new three or the the newer three or the newest, wait, three?
2: you got you got to do you got to do episodes, bro. You're getting confu- you're confusing uh, me. That, oh, me. I'm the sorry, trilogy talking about
1: Star Wars. The trilogy, yeah, yeah Star, Star Wars. Wars. Sorry. <laughs> Four, five, and six. So, the all, right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. So, three, so okay, one, two, or
2: three, four, or, or five and six.
0: Yeah, four, five, and six. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Four, five, or that's one, ones. two, and three. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. not three, four, and five. Yeah.
2: He's, he's he's a pick. <laughs> he's a diehard Of course, he, of course, you like. <laughs> yeah. Three.
1: No. Absolutely. Well, I would even yeah. just say, "A New Hope" and "Empire Strikes Back." I think you know, absolute classics. All right. You know, he so we, walks. Mm-hmm.
0: We'll pretend like Jar Jar Binks never existed. Okay um all right get started. Um, got a uh, time for a couple more work hard or play hard
1: um i like working hard i mean you know i was you know when, when people was you know they always say um we're company likes to work hard and play hard i'm like well yeah well everybody you know you gotta work hard i mean that's that's just a given what does play hard look like I and then you probably get, stump them. Stump them. what yeah. does play hard look like <laughs> Because I'll some police.
2: <laughs> yeah, sometimes I worry it's gonna. Your it's and up heart and my heart might not be
1: the same.
2: Yeah, you yeah. can end you up with HR at some point.
0: Yeah, um, I don't want HR
1: involved. Yeah. I don't want yeah. police involved.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> a different story. It depends Just on your work hard.
1: That's play really hard. Yeah, right.
0: I like it. Uh, that's too, a little too hard. A little too hard. All right, last one: oh. love or money?
1: Love.
0: Love. All right, everybody always pauses. <laughs> that's our that's Every my time favorite one. That question that's my favorite one. all right that is it that's all we got David um anything else you want to promote before I know uh you got some stuff going on online anything you want to promote before we let you go
1: be a good person I think uh, a lot a of people person. need it these days right you know um don't be an asshole. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh it's it's not the easiest of worlds out there you know um look after each other uh, I, I think more than anything else when you start you can talk about, Agile, digital product transformation. You could talk about anything that you want, but at the end of the day, this comes down to people. comes down to being empathetic towards other people, understanding where they got to go. I mean, I always remember my dad always said to me growing up, uh, there go I, but for the grace of God. And, And just remember that, you know, you might think that you're smarter, all of that sort of stuff, you're lucky at the end of the day. And I think that that gives you an opportunity then to remember that some other people weren't lucky or they're dealing with some things that you're not dealing with. So, um, you know, so, you know, be responsible with that. Love
0: it. Yeah. That is a uh, words to live by. Um, I love it. Don't be an asshole. I think that's perfect. Good way to sum it up. All right. Uh, so with that said, um, uh, don't be an asshole, uh, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, and, uh, don't forget retrotimepodcast.com. Tell a friend, uh, we would love it if you told a friend. And if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Derek will write you a song. Uh, Brittany, be on the lookout for your song uh, coming here in the next couple of weeks as soon as Derek writes it. Derek, what you got? Anything else? No, are we just done?
2: thank you, David. Thank you so much. was a great conversation yeah, Thank you, you so today much. This was awesome. Good we, to see we, you again. to have
0: you. And uh, yeah, so that's that. And um, I guess you'll hear from us soon then.
1: Yeah. Cool talking to you guys. We'll do it uh, we'll do it over a, a hurricane or something next time, right?
0: Yeah, all right, I you like go. that. Frozen right. daiquiris. No yeah. hand grenade. <laughs> oh no, not hand grenades,
1: <laughs> hand grenades
0: Too much. Back in my old days. Bye uh, yeah, right. Right. Well, guys. It. Good talking. All man. right. Thanks David. Take it easy. Take Cheers. it easy. I don't
1: want the police involved.